everybody. This is Belgariot and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgariot series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode seven. This season, we're reading book three, Magician's Gambit. And today, we're diving into chapter six. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe. I am a spiritual guide and teacher author of Magical Realism, and I own a publishing company. I'm here with my beautiful partner, my podcasting partner, Alicia Seymour. Hi, Alicia. Hi, guys. I'm Alicia Seymour. I'm a fantasy author and founder of Turtle Sea Books Publishing. And I'm dealing with a fire situation around my house right now, but I think it will be okay. But if there's helicopters, I apologize. Um, and if I have to run in a hurry, I apologize. <laughs> I don't think you need to apologize about that, sweetheart. It'll be okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we are, this is the last episode of, of, of the season. Um, well, not the season, actually, because our seasons run book to book. So we call one book one season. But we're heading into summer break now. And we take the summer off because Alicia's got two little kids and, you know, they're home and it's good for us to have a break. And to be quite honest, I need a break too. And I think if the world just took a little summer break, that would be fine. Right. But that's not going to (laughs) happen. I don't think. Yeah. But um, anyway, so this will be our last episode until after the summer. We'll come back. I wrote it down somewhere. Let me just have a look. We will be back in first week of September. So we'll be back in the first week of September. It's about 11 weeks, our little holiday. So it works out rather nicely because today we're talking about the last chapter in the first part of Magician's Gambit. So this is the last chapter in Marigold. Um, and I think it's also incredibly appropriate for a number of different reasons, you know, what's going on in yeah. the world as far as, I don't know, it feels like there's a lot of crossover anyway with the... <sighs> yeah, what's happening in the world. You know, um, we find out in this chapter uh, how what happened to the Marags, why Mara is so upset. You know, his his all of his entire people were murdered. Like so, th- th- this chapter deals with things like genocide, and political greed, and cultural prejudice, and using part of uh, culture to persecute that culture and you know as an excuse to like do whatever the fuck we want because we're right you're wrong we're just going to kill you Mm -hmm. and it so for a number of different reasons this chapter feels entirely appropriate for us to be talking about this week yeah I think it'll be a good discussion considering you know our episode last week I think this is like just a nice transition into we're back into the books, but we're still going to be on the topic in a lot yeah. of ways. It's interesting how that seems to happen, doesn't it? Yeah. 
there's been a lot of that alignment lately. I've been seeing that happening mm. a lot in my surroundings. Mm. Okay. I can't remember the other one, but yeah, this week. This Let's last go into Pogara's Cup, huh? Mm-hmm. You want to go first? I can. What's um, in your potion? I my potion is red red wine and oregano and i say that (laughs) (laughs) i say that i don't i don't do them i don't mix them together are we talking the herb or the oil the oil right Uh, the oregano has i've been dousing it in the little capsules have you as as a healing for Mm -hmm. i had some infections a while back Mm -hmm. a week or a week ago and just trying to like clear my body from excessive sugar candida any of mm-hmm. that stuff fantastic then, yeah it, i love it i i did it a long time ago not a long time ago like a few years ago yeah and it really helped me uh-huh. um, but because of everything else that was kind of going on i i know not too long ago, I said I was stopping wine. I was doing a wine detox and all of that. How'd that go? <laughs> I'm not drinking it every night, but I have allowed myself here and there to have some just because there's some nights where it's like... Freaking cheers, just, woman. Yeah. Yeah. Especially last week. So much happening, not just with all of the stuff here in San Diego. Yeah, how's your dad? He's doing better. Um, but yeah, the day after, or the day our podcast came out last week, he, I went over to see them that morning. He didn't look well at all. He, um, my mom had come here to sit with the girls and I went over there to print some stuff cause I don't have a printer here. And, um, she had mentioned briefly that he wasn't feeling too good. I just figured when he doesn't feel good, it usually just means he's tired, stomach ache, something he gets he has a lot of stress and anxiety and that mm-hmm. goes right to his stomach. Yep. Right to his energy. Yep. And so it's usually something like that. But when I walked in and saw him, it was, I knew something was wrong. He wasn't responsive. He was kind of shaking and he was like rocking like this oh, a little bit. He was, that vital life was kind of just ebbing like. Yeah. yeah. And so he really concerned me. And I said, I just asked him, I was like, do you think, I said, do you not feel well? And he just, he couldn't really answer. And I said, is it because of everything that's happening right now? Because before he went through some mental stuff about 10 years ago, and he had to, we had to get help for him because he started yeah. just getting to such a dark place with his thoughts. Yeah. He was thinking things and saying things that were very scary. Yeah. So I thought he might be kind of doing that again because of everything that was happening. Yeah. So that's where I went immediately. And I was, I was afraid for that. I didn't want to see him go through that or, or to like lose him really fast because he just suddenly gave up and, yeah. and he's gone. Yeah. Um, but my mom ended up taking him into urgent care that day because he started spiking a fever. Okay. And so then the scare became, all right, I hope he doesn't have coronavirus. Yeah. Um, but he came back negative for those tests. He tested positive for pneumonia. Right. And so thankfully the antibiotics started working like immediately and, the next day he was better. He, they kept him in the hospital for a few days. He came okay. home. 
Sunday and he's doing good. Okay. Overall, we're just trying to make sure like he needs to exercise and it's hard because you know when you're that age, it's your body's just stiff. Part of the stiffness is because he's never moving it. Yes. And so it's it's finding a way to like gradually kind of build up some muscle strength for him so he can yeah. start moving and circulating. Just going his for body. short walks at the start. So you know, yeah. just to actually get moving. Yeah. So yeah, all of that was happening last week. Um, yeah. Okay. On top of trying to get everything ready for the end of school because mm-hmm. today is officially the last day of school for my kids and yep. I'm very excited I don't have to deal with schoolwork at home anymore because next year they are going to go back to school yeah <laughs> so just get through the summer which now seems like easy an easy piece of cake because <laughs> you don't have to there's take. no schoolwork <laughs> Before I used to be like, oh man, summer's coming. What am I going to do? Yeah. You know, and now it's like, oh, summer's here. <laughs> um, perspective. It's all perspective, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm excited because I'm hoping this is going to allow more time for my writing to come back in. Since this pandemic started, I haven't written because the kids are home in the morning. I'm teaching them in the morning. Then I have to go into other work stuff that I do. Or I was also going through cycles where I was sleeping a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I would like sleep half of the afternoon. And so now I'm really hoping that um, to, to finish my manuscript before the summer's over, I really want to get this one, the last book in my series published before the end of the year. Helicopter? Yeah. Is it loud? It was just oh, shuddering wait. through the microphone. So no, I can't hear it now though. But I am going to call you out. I'm going to call you out. Ms. Seymour, you hope that you're going to have time to I, write your I book? I heard it in my head. As I said it, I heard that. Like, don't say hope. <laughs> little, like, like Gary and a little voice came and was like, don't say hope. You I'll will. be your dry voice. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yes, it's already halfway. The manuscript's halfway. So I just need to finish the last half. And I can okay. do that before summer's over. Yeah, you can. So I'm really excited. I'm actually okay. really excited. I, I kind of dabbled in it a little yesterday and it it was fun to go back and read the last scene I wrote. And then, because I honestly, you can't, I of remember. course you don't remember. You read, you go, oh, sometimes you go, oh, that's really good. Yeah, that's what wow. I was I literally sat here to myself, I was like, oh yeah, that's what I was doing. Because I completely <laughs> forgot my whole plan. Did you get the juices flowing a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And so I literally, I really only wrote like 200 words yesterday, but what happened, because I started feeling really blocked and stuff. I'm like, this isn't going to stop you. And I just sat there and, and just like, like you say, I became present, uh-huh. stopped my thoughts. And then I just sat for a minute. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it just started going boop, 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 yep, boop, yep, yep. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, that's how I'm going to write this scene. Yep, 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 yep. So then I just made the notes and I'm going to write it. I can't do it today because I have to do so much running around for school stuff. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to sit down and write that scene. And I think oh, it's going to go I'm from there. Fantastic. Yep. That's And that is the whole thing. Writer's block? Bullshit. You either don't know enough about what you're writing about, you don't know enough about your characters or your world, 
or you just don't give yourself enough time to sit there and go, no, I have to just write another word, write another word. What, 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 what would my character do right now? What's, what, how do they get to the next thing? And just write the next sentence and that's all you have to do. And then that's, you know, you, you prime the pump kind of thing. And it's amazing what comes out and you might think yeah. that it's crap and total crap. You might feel like rubbish or sick or whatever. I guarantee if you read this in three months time, you will not be able to tell the days when you wrote, okay, just another sentence. Okay. Just another sentence or the day that you flew and wrote 3000 words in a day. You won't be able mm-hmm. to tell when, which was, which <laughs> bit you wrote when. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it's amazing to see how that works, you know? No, it really is. And then for the authors that do, because there are some who, and I don't know, it's because they have such good notes somewhere put away or what, but they seem to remember all of the parts of their story and their characters so well. Well, that's about planning and plotting. Like I'm, put my hand up I'm a I'm plotter I have character notes I have like extensive story notes and character notes I know what the story is going to be like I have got the bones before I start to write and flush it out sometimes it takes me in in, in different in kind of slightly different directions like on the way to the point and sometimes yeah. it's like okay this is I see more fully now what the point of this is and so I'm able to like adjust um but yeah it helps keep me on track on those days when like I sit down look at the page and go I don't know what I'm gonna write so I look at my notes this is what you're gonna write this is what this scene's supposed to be about yeah I don't outline seeds or anything but I'll outline the chapters at least I'll do the 40 chapter outline Mm. I have a few sentences for each chapter what I want it and I know the like five yep. five elements so what do they call them five like sean coin calls them the five commandments of story the, the inciting incidents and yeah yep, yep. so i know all of that stuff ahead of time and a lot of the times it does it changes yeah completely but i don't i don't really flesh out characters very much they flesh themselves out as i start writing them well i start like an introduction it's like i'm um, like we're introducing ourselves i'm sort of getting to know who i think they are and what their motivations might be. And then we start to get, it's like, it's like a relationship, like any relationship. We start to get to know each other and we, I get to know more of their secrets. And, you know, they tell me more, more, you know, they tell me lies or they tell me truths. And then we, you know, the story gets that much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. I agree. This might be a very long episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah well, how, how was your week, How's, your week been? <laughs> how's my week well so into my potion my potion is a thick purple liqueur with the faintest hint of anise so a little bit anisey flavored mm. um and it's really like coats my tongue and yeah warms my throat as it goes down what is that use? What is its purpose? I don't know what it is. Well, I don't know, but in my magical mind, this thick purple liqueur with the faintest taste of aniseed 
Um, it's like, I, it just came to me because I've started doing these meditative drawings and it's like, like Zen doodling or, you know, just with a black pen patterns, you know, on a page. And um, I've tried it with different colors, a few different colors, but I really like the black, just the black on the white paper. And then I shade with a pencil. And, um, but the lines, like, uh, I'm just looking at the notes I wrote and it still feels really true. The lines that I draw, I feel like me. It's like journaling. Like I, I've been doing at least one drawing a day since I started. I've got this little gallery going in my office. I'll take a couple of photos and um, share them in the group. But so the lines that I draw, it's, it's, me on the page and then it feels like if i were to drink this potion the thick liquid just would flow between the lines you know and just fill it up with you know and sort of glow from the inside it really the drawings are, i shade them with the pencil and they come to life and that's what it feels like that's what it feels like um and, you know, I end up with these beautiful little pieces of art that I never could have planned. Never. I, I, I couldn't, have, like, I look at one of each of these pieces and go, I couldn't have visualised this and then sat down to draw it. I just draw a pattern and then I draw the next pattern and then I draw the next pattern and it tells me a story at the end of it. And, you know, they... they <laughs> I look at them when they're done and there's a piece of me there telling me secrets about myself that I didn't know. And the more I sort of go into it, the more this little story unravels, this little piece of artistic journaling. It's quite an amazing experience. It's very new. It's not something I've ever done before, ever. And I'm really enjoying it. It's really um, taking me into a stillness that I need because I'm spiritually exhausted. Sorry, I don't mean to be quiet. The helicopters are very loud. I don't, I don't interrupt your explanations, but yeah, that I think that expression is really, you know, it's a good thing for you right now since you're not able to do your own writing outside of the course that you're creating on a daily basis right now. So, because mm. I think for, just like me, for you, writing was the way of learning more stuff about yourself. Yes. And these drawings are allowing you to do that. Yeah. So, you know, it's something until you can get back to your writing. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of amazing. So I will share some photos. Yeah, <laughs> and you they're can really beautiful drawings. See if you can winkle the secrets of Sandra <laughs> out of <the> drawings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Garion's view, my darling. Garion's view. All right, so the gang is, is still in Marigord and they continue toward Mar Amen. That's how I say it. And 
Maramon. Maramon. I don't know. That's how <laughs> I sound like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> straight out of Lord of the Rings. Oh, totally. Uh, <laughs> and um, so Gary, and I think he's still kind of under that that amp holes haze a little bit, but the voice is still there too. But he's still kind of there, and so he's observing his surroundings. They change as they get up. I just imagine them twisting around this, like mountain kind of thing up in a city along pebbled pathways and stuff and but as they do like he's the the scenes start changing and they start becoming very disturbing and grotesque and violent and just it's interesting to see his perspective but they they approach and they get up to where Mara is and they actually have this conversation with him we see more of who he is and why he's doing what he's doing and um, Garion ends up, I say Garion in quotation marks, defends Sinidra when Mara tries to harm her because she is Tolnidran. Okay. Um, and so they, they, he dissolves all that. They, they're able to leave and Aunt Pole and Wolf, now that they've witnessed the dry voice come out through Garion verbally, they start asking him a bunch of questions. And so the chapter ends, I think. Mm. They're, they're, they've set camp outside of Marigor or something like that, right? And I'm pretty, yep, I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay, so let's begin. Wolf's Wisdom, <laughs> yeah. into the chapter we go. Yes. <sighs> so at the end of the last chapter, one of the monks was running at them going, get away get away you know the spirit of mara is over the next hill um you know warning them off and as this chapter starts the monks are kind of moving on wolf says look we may as well just go if we don't he's just going to follow us if we don't go and you know try and uphold and they're talking about mara yeah and aunt paul's like it's just a waste of time no point we've tried before and um, Wolf, he's so compassionate. Like, he just feels so compassionate. And also, you know, Aldur, his master, their master, their god. Um, he said he would be disappointed if we didn't at least try to talk to him. So they head, head in. And so Mar Amon, now I don't know how to say it. In my head when I've read it, it's always been Mar Amon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just, you know, I mean, I live in America and that amen is more more of what it be, would be pronounced, whereas Australia. A-M-O-N, Amon, Mar Amon. In Europe countries, I'm sure it's Amon. So how, <laughs> how like, would you say, how do you say it? I said Mar Amen. Amen. Yeah. I just love hearing how different people pronounce words in fantasy stories. So often it's like I've read something for years, no problem. And then I try and say it out loud and it's like, Pide. That's one like, of the great <laughs> my great mouth things <laughs> when the books get turned into movies, because then you hear them say it in the movie and then you can just start saying it like that. Well, I then I have disagreements with those sometimes. I know. You're and then like, if they say it opposite of what the way you said it, you're just like, no, that's not how you that's say not it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, 
So they head over, over the hill and down into the city. The road that they're on is now just like a faint track, uh, you know, dimly visible through the grass. And it says here that 32 centuries have passed since the last living foot has touched this road. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah, it is. 3,200 years, which is about, so it's about as old as Polgara, the absence of people. So I think, I think Belgrade's about 7,000 years old Mm. and Polgara's like maybe three or four, three, three, four thousand years old. Hmm. Something like that. Interesting. Yeah, so when, yeah. when I try and think of it like that, I'm like, like, this is stuff that maybe, you know, by the time we get to talk about Belgarath, the Sorcerer, and Polgara, the Sorceress, those books, you know, in like seven years or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, That's funny. But it's interesting to think about it that way. Yeah, it is a really long time that you know, I'm surprised like Wolf or somebody didn't even in all that time just go up there to say hi or something. Well, it's haunted, you know. It's got yeah, these but... ghosts in there. So they can't go in because they go mad. Well, well, I mean, Aunt Paul's doing her thing and like Wolf doesn't seem to be affected very much by oh, no. it. But I, I suspect that they are kind of unique. There aren't too many people like them in the world yeah that's what i'm saying so i'm I'm just surprised like neither one of them just decided not to go up there in all that time and just check on him or something and say hey how are you doing well i I guess they have the the comments they made seem to infer that they have tried before okay so then their feet have touched the the path at least yeah (laughs) that's what i think too that's what i think maybe they came from a different direction maybe <laughs> anyway so it's interesting garion is garion has this thought like he's still in this detached state where his emotions are asleep and he notices that everything is laid out in like a spiral everything's circular and and in spiral patterns and and he interprets that as um the city has been designed by a woman because men's minds run in straight lines and women think more in terms of circles. Now, I think this is not altogether untrue. Mm-hmm. In my experience, yeah. um, there's a, when you think about masculine and feminine energy, not necessarily man or woman, so don't so gender it, but masculine, feminine active receptive Mm -hmm. that those kinds of energies that play on each other and you know move together to create this wave that we ride through life you have this straight line that draws you on and then you have the spiral that um you know how do i say it um complements the activity and and brings in all of the fullness of the activity 
Um, they're very interesting topics. What do you think? Yeah, it made sense to me when I read it. I'm like, yeah, I, I could agree with that <laughs> from my own experiences as mm. well. Um, but it is, I think it is more about the masculine and feminine feminine energies because I do also, I also have encountered some men who I would describe more circular than linear, you know? It's interesting. I think, I think it has to do with how uh, cycles show up and like the very obvious cycle that women have through most of their lives is their menstrual cycle. You know, it's very regular. It's very obvious. It's very present. There are lots of other physical cycles that men and women go through, but they're not as yeah. obvious. Right. Um, you know, and look at the window of nature and what it does going through all of its cycles. Maybe that's why it's mother nature because of all of the cycles. <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> and father time because people think of time as, as a linear yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, and of course, everyone, right. darling listeners. Time is just oh, right. a total, you know. Illusion. Illusion, a fiction <laughs> construct. But we think of it. Very direct. We tend to think of it as a started back yeah. there and goes through into, you know, the future. Right. Mm-hmm. So there yeah. we go. Little aside. Oh, so they go in and the wailing's getting louder louder and louder and more distinct so it's not just a noise going and starting to hear specific sounds and what had been confused and distorted Garen now recognizes there's just one single mighty voice and the grief in it is just reverberating through everything mm-hmm. and then as they get up closer to the city this wind comes up and it's got this horrible smell of death. It's overpowering stench. And um, Garion sort of reaches for his cloak, but he realizes that there's nothing blowing, like his cloak's not reacting. Nothing's reacting to this wind that he senses. The grass isn't bending, his, his clothes aren't blowing in it. And he realizes that it's just not real. Yeah. And that the horses aren't bothered by the wailing, and so it's not real either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just in his, just in their mind. Now that it's, yeah, I like that whole thing, the whole idea. And it's interesting, the horses are not reacting at all. Uh-huh. They don't have minds like we do. So whatever illusions he's creating, um, what's his name? Mara. Um, the horses aren't even, because their mind isn't like ours, they don't even receive it. It's just non-existent. I just had them. a thought. I know that Heta is like asleep. Mm-hmm. Like Pogar has put them on sleep. But what if his mind was awake? Like how, like would that then go through to the horses if he was awake and like sensing all of this stuff? Would they pick up on it because he's one of their um, herd? Probably. I would think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah but i like that i didn't pick up on that the first time with the idea of the horses don't get it but the humans are getting it yeah. all this stuff that he's putting out 
which is pretty interesting. Yeah, so as they crest the hill and they, you know, when they first glimpsed it, it had appeared to be a total ruin. But now they're coming closer to it. Garion is really surprised to see that all the, it looks really substantial. The buildings are there and it's all the public houses and big buildings. And somewhere he can hear children laughing and there's, there's singing somewhere. And so, but it's all an illusion. You know, Paul, Paul says, you know, why does he keep doing this? Like, she's really sad. Why does he keep doing this? It doesn't do any good. Yeah. And um, well, Wolf replies that it's all he has. And she's like, well, it always ends the same way. And now I disagree with this. You tell me what you think. Hey, Paul, Wolf says, I know it ends the same way, but for a little while it helps him forget. Now, so essentially what Mara is doing is building the illusion of the, t the city, but he's doing it on the day where they're all, all the people are slaughtered by the Tonidrans. Like the Tonidran legionnaires come through and slaughter everyone horribly. And he is reliving this day over and over and over. So for 30, three, over 3,000 years, he's been doing this constantly over and over and over again. Now, I don't think that, like that, that feels like the worst kind of stuck pattern I have ever heard of. It helps him forget for a little while. No, it doesn't. I don't think it helps him forget at all. I think it helps him stay right stuck in the thing that's most painful rather than yeah. allowing himself to move ahead. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like almost a pity party, a never ending yeah. pity party. Yeah, pretty much. Like grief is yeah. normal. Grief mm -hmm. is normal to have your entire people wiped out and you're the god of them okay i can allow that that's pretty fucking horrible and there's a lot like the huge amount of grief there to deal with or to process but this isn't processing that this is wallowing in it yeah so i yeah i must say i've never felt particularly sorry <laughs> Mara just because I think he's being a bit of a tool and not you know <laughs> yeah yeah does that make I me agree. horrible no I agree with it I didn't feel sorry for him reading this either but yeah I it was interesting to learn a little bit about Mara you know through all of this so tell me what you have learned about Mara and the Tornidrans and what happened to the Maregs. What did you so, pick up? There was something about, and you already mentioned it with Mar uh, Mara and Aldor, is it? Is Al that the other god? Aldor is, is the other. He is the, he is the god. He's like Hogara and Belgareth's master. Okay. And so they're those two are what are they brothers yeah they're both so the gods, gods that, the gods are brothers okay yeah so i mean i didn't as far as all the other stuff i didn't get 
much more than what I already knew that the Tolnidrans came and slaughtered all of them because they just basically didn't agree with the way they lived. They used that as an excuse. So they, they used the fact that they were there was cannibalism going on, which is, according to Belgarath, was a misinterpretation of one of their sacred texts and not because they actually enjoyed it and would have sorted itself out, you know. But the, the um, Tolnidrans decided that that was a good reason to move in and punish them, you know, kill them. But in actual fact, they wanted the gold. Okay. Yeah. And, and Gary sees like it, well, what happens is he feels like when they're first going in, it's, it's everything, nothing's happened yet. So the day is just like a normal day. Mm -hmm. And then Gary sees everything suddenly get darker. Yes. And then that's when he sees the Tolnidran soldiers appear. Yes. Yeah. And the bodies on the streets and blood everywhere and yes total carnage right and like he can hear the sounds of the swords chopping through the flesh and bone and it's just sort of fills his mind and then there's just dead people children women everywhere like lying everywhere and um yeah and then in the center of the plaza, so what I can imagine is the center of this spiral, the road spirals down to the city. It's not an illusion and not even a ghost. It's a, a, a figure that towers and kind of, it's described, it's, the description is the figure towered and seemed to shimmer with a terrible presence a reality that was in no way dependent upon the mind of the observer for its existence. So it's not an illusion. It's Mara, like a God standing there. And in his arms, he's holding the body of a slaughtered child. So that's an illusion, I think. The, the, what, the body that he's holding. Yeah, I think so. And so Garion's still um, half asleep, like his, his, his emotions are still asleep. And even in that state, you know, he can feel the hair on his neck from sort of trying to rise up in the horror of being in the presence of this God who is so uh, consumed by his grief and so kind of expressive of all of that. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Wolf gets down off of his horse to address Mara. And Mara doesn't even hear him because his grief is so loud. He's mm -hmm. wailing and Aunt Paul tells him it's useless. He'll never hear you. You know, let's just go. But Mara then answers and he says, leave me. Uh, so, you know, it's like he hears him, but he's just, just choosing not to answer because he wants to continue to just create his show. Mm -hmm leave me to my grief yeah and it's look i am not knocking the therapeutic value of wailing i know it personally and and it's incredibly uh powerful and important to let that kind of energy move through your body not get stuck in it but that's the point you let it move through you to make yeah, space not, not for, for something new to come in. Centuries. 
Yeah, that's a long time. But I mean, you know, I'm I'm not Mara. I don't know what's in his mind. Maybe gods need that long. Yeah. But anyway. So they, they try to talk to him about why they you know that the world's changing, the time has come, that, that they need um they need oh, that magical help, right? word that magical word prophecy is mentioned. Wolf mm-hmm. says the prop the fulfillment of prophecy is at hand. Yeah. <laughs> Those prophecies, you know. We like them. <laughs> yeah, we do. And Mara's so just they, not, not interested. Sorry, keep going. They they tell them, you know, that Torak one eye. Oh, that's what it was. Torak is his also his brother because he was mm-hmm. a god too. We've all there's and, always there's always that brother. There's always that brother <laughs> in the family, you know. Yeah. Tries to take over the world, has his eye burned out. There's always that one brother. Mm-hmm. Loki. <laughs> He's Loki. one of my favorite characters. Hey. Uh, Loki is one of my all-time favorite fictional. Characters. Oh, he's such a f- fascinating character. I do, yeah, and I like the the actor that they got does such a good job with him on screen. He does to where you like you love him so much, but then he's still like a pain in the ass. You're like, why did you do that? But I still love you. <laughs> you just like... want to smack him. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah, that's what that kind of reminds me of. But this guy, I think, seems much more. Torak seems much more evil than Loki. Yes. Um, yeah, but Mara just kind of like, who cares? Like, just let him wake up, whatever. That's yeah. not going to bring back my slaughtered children. And see, this does not do him any favors in my eyes as far as the wallowing in self pity. Like, I don't care. Yeah. He can have the world. I don't care about anything. He can destroy it. He can do what he wants. I don't have anything. Why should anybody else, basically? Yeah. And so Aunt Polo still, she just wants to just leave, but Mr. Wolf is determined and he asks if he will, bl- if Mara will bless. They brought the instruments of the prophecy. What do you make of that little tidbit? Will you bless them is what he asks. Well, obviously Garion. Um, do they have any other physical things? Well, instruments. It's not just, it's just, it's just there. But it's not, it's not actually the... What is it? The orb. They don't have the orb or anything. No. So, so what might it be? I would, I don't know. I'm going to guess Sinidra. Okay. So have a think about like back when, oh, way back when Wolf was talking to Arnik. Okay. Like way, way back in the first book. And they're talking about oh, that who were, oh no, no, it wasn't Arnik. I think it was like, uh, Baldor. No, 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 no. The bad guy. Who's the bad guy? The one that was the shadow. Or the, the one Ash. that showed up as the shadow on the on the on the hill? Ashrak. Uh Chanda. On the horse. <laughs> Chanda. Chanda showed up on the horse. Remember, Lildoran had been I had been um knocked off by the uh Algroth and and Chanda showed up on the top of the hill. And yeah. was giving, and he was taunting them, kind of. And he says to Belgrath, "I was interested to find out how you, you know, interpreted the prophecy or something." And he calls Polgara my queen, or was it then, or was it like 
because <laughs> I, I can't remember now one of our listeners oh. will be freaking our listeners will be freaking out going Sandra you're getting it all buggered up you're confusing it all <laughs> I've read it so many times it's true I am probably butchering it but somewhere along the line someone said I'm interested to see how you interpreted the inst- you know like the the prophecy and he points to the different people in the group mm. okay so it's like everybody in the group is an instrument that's why they all came together well I remember, I remember somebody, and it might have been that moment up on the hill of Chamdar. I think it was when he tells Belgarath something along the lines of you've, you've collected them all together or something like that. I see, he's like, I see you've got, you've got everybody or something like that. Um, But maybe he might have hinted that not everybody yet. And so I'm going to guess that, yeah, the instrument's are the people in their group like they all have to be together in order for it to work well prophecies are like that aren't they yeah yeah just like the company uh in lord of the rings it had to be all of them for it to unfold you know Mm -hmm. so okay so so yeah but mara refuses to bless anything but he doesn't just refuse to, he says, I have no blessings. He doesn't just refuse to bless the instruments of the prophecy. He says, I only have curses for the savage children of Nidra. Yeah. Um, I'm confused because he's talking, obviously he's talking about, oh, is Nidra another god? Yes. So okay. the Tom Nidrans okay. are the children of Nidra. So he's just basically saying, like, because I'm so full of curses, I can't give any blessings. Yep, I'm not giving blessings, only cursing the children of Nidra for killing my children. Okay. (laughs) That's uh, selfishness at its height. Yep, wrathful God. And Aunt Paul sort of tries her stern Aunt Paulness on the God. You know, there's a part, there's a part telling him there's a part for him in the working out of the prophecy. Um, you know, we've all got to play our part or the world will be unmade. And this is when Mara's like, don't care. Don't care. Let it happen. My grief is eternal. Go away. And then Mara freaks out, tells him to stop. And all of the all of the illusion just shimmers away and there's just them and the God standing there. And he's, he is, he is offended. He's so offended. You know, what have you done, Belgarath? You know, and Polgara, is my grief just amusement? You throw this in my teeth? And Aunt Paul is like, what, what, what are you talking about? And, um, and it's Sinedra. Yeah, because he steps over right in front of her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's, he's, you know, threatening. Like, I'll fill, I'll fill your worm, your brain with worms of madness. And, you know, and Aunt Paul and Mr. Wolf are trying to say, leave her alone. And wait, hold on. 
Okay, okay, okay. I get it. Yeah, so he's threatening to like fill her mind with all of this stuff, and then he finds out her mind is asleep. Yes. And so he, it's not really going to work because her mind is asleep. And then he feels like they tricked him mm-hmm. by putting her to sleep so that he wouldn't be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I guess that was their purpose, but it wasn't specifically for him. No, it's for all, it was to protect all of them. And they didn't like, they, they haven't brought her here to torture him. She's part of the prophecy as much as any of them are. And he's just lost in the madness of this grief that he is inflicting on himself constantly and making himself, you know, just unspeakably sick with this. Mm -hmm. He's just torturing himself. And so he's like, I'm going to punish you, Belgareth. And he gets really, um, like, he can feel this viciousness coming out of him and Polgara and everyone and and he's just going to punish them all you all he's going to wake them up and they will all he'll just make them all mad and he starts to swell like he's sort of sort of pulling his power in and then Garion speaks up yeah the voice was Garion's but Garion knew that it was not he who spoke and so um, we know it's the voice has come through to speak to Mara. Yeah. To intervene. Correct. So he doesn't want, he's not going to allow this to happen. No. And so it's really, uh, the voice is really forceful. You know, no, stop. Your vengeance stops here. And he says, the girl is bound with my purpose and you won't touch her. And it's interesting, like, it says Garion realises with a, with a certain <laughs> alarm that he's been placed between the raging god and the sleeping princess. So the voice is not yes. only coming from his mouth, it's sort of con- the prophecy, the voice of the prophecy is controlling him, and like, yeah, moving his right. body where he wants it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and Mara tells him to get out of the way and then the voice invites him to have a closer look if you haven't held yourself empty by now you'll know who I am you know come and have a look and he threatens Sinedra again and the voice is like no buddy don't think so and I love this part you know he he pulls himself together and then Garion feels this touch on his mind. Mm-hmm. Like he had in Quinzel Mithra's throne room when the spirit of Issa touched him when he was yeah. drugged out of his brain. And then um, Mormara realises who it is and yeah. that's pointless. Yeah. And he sort of gives sort of wilts and just begs they, that he give him Sinedra. Take everyone else, but leave the tornado. But of course, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. And then Mara tries to attack Garion or the dry voice. And um, but it was different. Like there's no none of the familiar things that Garion associates with sorcery. There's no rushing sound. There's no surge. There's no noise. It just feels like a really terrible pressure directed at mm-hmm. him. There's just like this. The mind within his mind responded. 
yeah. word it. And the power is so vast and um, uh, and it, like enormous, like it just cushions the attack of Mara and lets it dissipate. Um, you know, he just stands calmly, doesn't fight back because the powers are too enormous. If they crashed together, it would be um, dreadful. Yeah. And then Garion gets the awareness of this mind within his own mind. And he sees it's like, this reminds me of, and I don't think you've watched it yet. Maybe you watched the original of The Dark Crystal. Yeah. And how they do the intro of it with like the galaxies up and it's just like swirling and you see it moving and then so and it reminds me of like that Garion's just flooded with the yeah it's like seeing eternity and like if you are a um, Doctor Who aficionado it's like when they look so any of the listeners I'm sure there are some of you like me who love the Doctor when the Time Lords are small when they're eight they go through a ceremony where they look into the uh the vortex they look into time to the raw depths of time and some of some of them go mad some of them you know it changes them forever Mm -hmm. um but that's kind of like can you imagine seeing eternity like being in that space and trying to comprehend the enormity the vastness yeah it would be over well i don't think the human mind can even hold that and you know yeah no and a lot so it's described really beautifully you know he looked full in the face of time itself seeing its beginning and its ending in one awful glimpse (laughs) i love it awful glimpse he must have seen the ending of the undesirable end well i think that's the no no awful awful as in the proper definition of awful as in awe inspiring awful i I love it when words are used correctly it just makes my little geeky heart so happy i never even thought about that you know and all the times i've said awful I never thought about it. Now I'm going to think about it every time before I say it. Yeah. Hmm. Awful doesn't mean terrible. It's just used that way. Why? I wonder why it is used like that. Well, because all things that are awe-inspiring can be terrible as well, but they'd need nothing. They don't have to be terrible. I wonder if it doesn't have to do with if awful really means you're full of awe that would have to include those who were enlightened in the times when enlightenment was considered to be so terrifying they would distort it to be something evil right correct and so awful they started using that word in a negative sense the awful people means terrible yes or dreadful matt and all of these words that we're using like awful dreadful terrible horrible they all have very specific definitions and rarely are they used as they 
like they're really used correctly. Makes me happy yeah. when they are. I'm curious what the dictionary defines awful as. And I'll look it up later. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's that's interesting for Gary and to get all of that, you know, just flooded into him. Yeah, so he sort of and... shares that awareness. Uh, and I, I mean, it's very, it's very, I mean, the fact that he's half asleep or his emotions are asleep, there's no way that he could uh, experience all of this stuff if he was fully ego conscious without like losing his flippant mind at the moment, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he couldn't. It, it's all unfolded this way on purpose. And, you know, the voice is, with, with the voice inside of Gary and it's strong enough for Mara to kind of recoil from that, just to the absorption that they put around him. Mm -hmm. And he just starts weeping. And he's, but he, the voice gets really um, compassionate though. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, it is just all pain. He doesn't know what to do with it. And yeah. while it's infuriating from us looking in, like, stop being such a selfish ass, it's like he's just in so much pain. He's in pain. And there's this, yeah, he, the voice has the great, the compassion that I just don't feel. And every time I come to this point in the story, I feel like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. He's really yeah. sad. Uh, you know, he tells the, the voice says that your grief won't last forever. And Mara's like, never. It will last. It will. It will last forever. And the voice says, well, forever is a very long time. And only I can see to the end of it. And then Wolf realizes who's been speaking and he's kind of like, oh, really? Yeah. And there's a little um, little exchange between Belgarath and the voice about possible, which is really nice. I love that little continuation. You know, what's possible, what's impossible. That conversation has been going on since the start of the, the story. Um, mm -hmm. Because Belgarath's like, is it possible? And the yeah. voice is, well, you know, aren't you the one who keeps saying that anything is possible, Belgarath? <laughs> I like that bit. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, him and Aunt Paul have a conversation with, with the voice at this point. You know, yeah, so she's not shocked. Yeah, yeah, both of them. And so they're like, we didn't realize that you could intervene directly in like this directly. And the voice is quite casual like through the exchange and Paul of course is concerned with you know is the boy aware of it and how much did you tell him and the voice says well you know it's okay I haven't told him anything that he can't understand I've explained it in a way that you know it's all cool he understands why it's all important now and yeah. that he needs to prepare himself and he'll listen to you now basically right and then he says that kim you know we should probably leave the tony dream girl is her presence is causing mara a great deal of pain we need to go mm -hmm. so it's just really um compassionate and um our paul you know wants to say more but he's like yep yep okay right let's just go and then mr wolf 
wants to talk more with the voice and comes up to ride beside Garion, but Garion, it's just Garion there now. The voice is gone. And Garion's like, oh, sorry, grandfather. Yeah. It's like, you feel Mr. with like a disappointed child in that mm. moment. It's like mm-hmm. his shoulders drop and his head's kind of hangs. Yeah. So it's like, oh. Well, I mean, it's, you know, to find out that you can talk to prophecy when you're trying to um, guide the prophecy, like in this really earthly way to fulfillment, to success. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand his disappointment <laughs> to be able to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they move away from Mar Amon and they. Um, you know, they start to ride towards a place where they can sleep for the night. Yeah. Mr. Wolf still continues to ask, is he there? Can I talk to him? And he's not. Yeah, so they talk and, about how often he's there with Gary, and they do refer to the voice as he now. Yeah. And um, they talk about, you know, he's not there all the time, and sometimes he goes away for a long time, but he's been here for quite a while. Ever since Ashrak burned up is the point that he sort of um, became more present. And they talk about how Agarian's experience with the ghosts and being not awake and not quite asleep. Wolf asks him what the voice told him he had to do. And, you know, Garion says, he told me that something had happened a long time ago that wasn't supposed to happen and that I was supposed to fix it. (laughs) <laughs> and it makes Wolf laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, did he happen to say how it was going to turn out? <laughs> Gary's like, well, he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Mr. Wolf is, you know, he was hopeful that um, they gained an advantage at some point, but yeah. he's still just as much in the dark. He doesn't know. And, yeah. Um, Aunt Paul asks Garion, do you think you're going to remember any of this when you wake up? Because Garion's all fallen asleep. He's really sleepy. He needs to re- like rest. And he says, I think so. And so she goes on to explain to him, there are two prophecies both leading to the same event. The Grolums and the Angrax are following one and we're following the other. So, I mean, that's a very direct, yes. it goes back to, I mean, it's kind of like what the voice have already explained to him, right? Yeah, it's pretty much. Voice. But this is like a really clear, you know, takes all of the uh, vagaries away. This is just mm-hmm. really direct and really clear for us, the reader, to understand yeah. what these prophecies are about. Yeah. So she basically just explains that it just, everything's going to unfold is going to determine which way it goes everything that happened everything that has already happened and will happen comes together at that point and becomes one so if they do it correctly that's what's going to happen and the mistake will be erased the universe will go in one direction or the other interesting i feel like it would only go in one direction if the mistake was erased not one direction or the other well if the mistakes so the mistake will be erased and depending on 
which prophecy is fulfilled, the universe will go in this direction or that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. As if that had been the direction it had been going all along. Yeah. And so her obscure, her one obscure remark is, because you've got to have a little bit of mystery. The only real difference is that something that's very important will never happen if we fail. And that's that. Garion says he's very tired and wants to sleep. So they put him to bed. She kisses him, snuggles him up in his blankets. Sleep, my Belgarian. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's the end of part one. And that's that. <sighs> Sorry, I just got my dog excited because I sat up straight. So what did you think of that chapter? It's a good chapter. <laughs> Excuse me. I liked it a lot. I liked seeing Mara in the city and um, the voice come through and actually like, well, I mean, he kind of did that already once with Salmistra a little bit too, where he was physically kind of controlling Garion, you know, mm -hmm. and making him walk this way and mm -hmm, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, it was a good one. A good way to wrap up season oh, three. Oh, no. So the next chapter, um, so we really do like, we're on a, the next part, they're going to the Vale of Algae. I love this part. I love it. I love it. I love it. But um, I'm excited to get into that with you. More magic. Lots of more magic and sorcery. Yeah. I'll be ready. I will be ready. So be a whole new world in September. Oh, I know. Won't it? So we'll be ready for a bit of magic, I think. I'll have emerged from my own magical world in my novel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Finally wrapped it to the end after mm. 10 years of writing this series. Not bad, chick. All right, Prophecy Speaks. I have to get a book and write a question. <laughs> wait, wait, we got to do the magic and real oh, life relating. Right, freaking over it. All right, so magic. We can do it quickly. Okay, magic. Uh, so for me, the way the voice doesn't resist Mara's onslaught at all, but instead becomes so soft that the force has nothing to react against. Mm -hmm. And then the way the voice is so kind and compassionate to Mara after his tantrum is over, like I just think that's all part of this big, soft, huge, vast um, magical power. I really, really like that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of symbolism in that too, oh, of how we can, how to live our daily lives, right? Yeah. Mine was, um, I just saw my typo, I typed gray on instead of Garion, but when Garion um, is so quick to see through the illusion, of the surroundings that Mara is creating. Like he instantly realizes that the grass isn't responding to this wind. And I just thought that was pretty cool because um, I don't think everybody would be that sharp on seeing through an illusion that's magical like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, seeing through illusions. <laughs> Quite yeah, powerful also magic. Symbolic. Also symbolic. What is not symbolic? Tell me. <laughs> Okay, so my real life relating. 
extends my comment from the magic, you know, from that dry voice. Because um, I've had to be the dry voice lately, <laughs> more often than not, you know, practicing my way of non-resistance in holding space um, so others feel safe to get vulnerable. It's a big part of what I do in my work. And, and it does take practice. Um, yeah, for example, when the dry voice gets sharp with Mara and tells him to stop, um, you know, there are boundaries. There are boundaries to hold in the sacred spaces that I anchor. And it's not all like I can't just sit back and let the free-for-all commence, you know. There's a lot of subtle steering required um, to make sure that the container it keeps its integrity and the space is safe for everybody in that space. So it takes a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so yeah. the getting soft, the getting really soft and non-resistant is very powerful and allows me to hold a lot of different energies in the same container and help them to kind of complement each other rather than spark each other and mm -hmm. and like uh, being aware when the sparks are happening and just kind of leaning this way or the other I guess it's a cosmic form of manipulation but it's not really like it's not it, there's no um I don't think it's manipulation no, I just think not it's not what allowing, it is it's it's, it's an it's allowing. allowing space it's an allowing, allowing, yeah. For those that you're sharing the space with to see the truth. Yeah. Where they're and, seeing. Yeah, and, and it's, it's like people come into these spaces to be heard, to be witnessed, to feel completely safe and held. And, and that is a, a really powerful magic to expect yeah. that and to know that that is given to you and to be required to hold yourself accountable to where you are and feel uncomfortable feelings that might be coming through you and then have the chance to vocalize or talk about that discomfort is really powerful and that can't happen when you when you're busy uh, resisting and so part of me being having this non-resistance about the way I hold the space is it gives other people a chance to experience feelings that they don't typically allow themselves to experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it's getting really hot in here. Um, That's okay. Start, starting to like pass out or something. Oh, okay. Um, what's, your, what's your real life relating? uh mine is also tied to my magic which is i've been um recently being able to see through a lot of the illusions of this world mm. that we live in that yeah. used to once feel really real to me and now i can look at them and just like go right through them and be like you don't bother me anymore yeah you know it's an interesting way of looking at the world yeah freeing <laughs> It is freeing, and there's moments where it can feel a little bit scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Depending on, depending on what it is you're choosing to finally see through. Yeah. Um, I think that is. 
I think I'm getting hot too. I think that it's the energy that we're building in the conversation. Maybe. I know the air over here is very hot too. It's probably pushing 100 right now. I need to turn the AC on. Have you got it on? No. All right. Well, we're nearly done. I yeah. have to get a book. I have to write a question. Now it's time for Prophecy Speaks. question is I've had an inspiration for a book how unusual mm -hmm. and also a series of books um, based on the course I'm creating because <laughs> what uh -huh. wouldn't they be are yeah. it's, it's quite it's been quite like uh, powerful <laughs> it won't go away so my question is, should I go with the inspiration? Where will this work take me? And the book I'm using is The Book Thief, which is magnificent, stunningly beautiful, by Mark Zusak, an Aussie bloke, a young Aussie bloke. It's amazing really if you haven't read it i haven't read it oh it's beautiful so the book thief okay with the curtains clamped tight he would sleep on the floor with a cushion beneath his head as the fire slipped away and turned to ash in the morning he would return to the basement a voiceless human the Jewish rat, back in, back to his hole. Christmas came and went with the smell of extra danger. As expected, Hans Jr. did not come home, both a blessing and an ominous disappointment. But Trudy arrived as usual and things went smoothly. The qualities of smoothness. Max remained in the basement. Trudy came and went without any hint of suspicion. It was decided that Trudy, despite her mild demeanour, could not be trusted. We trust only the people we have to, Papa stated, and that is the three of us. There was extra food and the apology to Max that this was not his religion, but a ritual nonetheless. He didn't complain. What grounds did he have? He explained that he was a Jew in upbringing, in blood, but also that Jewry was now more than ever a label, a ruinous piece of the dumbest luck around. It was then that he also took the opportunity to say he was sorry that the Huberman's son had not come home. In response, Papa told him that such things were out of their control. After all, he said, you should know it yourself. A young man is still a boy and a boy sometimes has the right 
to be stubborn. And they left it at that. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so I I get stubborn about the why of things and having it fit instead of appreciating the smoothness with which ideas and inspiration come to me and then when I allow them to flow through me and just keep happening it's a magical experience so there's smoothness and stubbornness touched on in this little piece and I think that that's that's the part that's talking to me anyway yeah did you pick up anything the part of um that it's not, I forget the wording, it's not your religion. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a it reminds me because, yeah, it's not, it's just like the course you're creating is yeah. not your religion and the books you are going to be writing are not your religion and just to let them be what they are. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Thank you. I'm, I'm that's interesting. Yes. Like you can, you can do them. Yeah. Do them and have fun with them. And um, I think it, it, it's also like a guide. This is like guiding you towards um, like writing these books, this book series about this the stuff you're learning as you create this course is almost going to be your own way of processing the course yourself you know oh, yeah it was a big sigh yep take take it deeper for yourself and your own meaning of it without having to be the teacher of it you're just, just being, yeah just you're my just own interpretation it. of it yeah so i think it's telling you yes you should go with the inspiration yeah where yes. it'll take you is, is still kind of left open i think yes but I'm sure it will be someplace beautiful because how could it not be? <laughs> okay. All right. Your turn. That was okay. the most obscure one I've had for a while. Um, yeah. It was good though. <laughs> I... Good though. Like, yeah, very simple actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I'm, asking how I can navigate the summer with my children because um, what this quarantine has done and I think it's probably true for many kids is they've been more drawn to computers and tablets and games like video games um, talking to their friends on their tablets watching videos on their tablets and so I've I've noticed it's a lot of device time in the day. It's the majority of their day is on their devices. And I have to admit, I am probably part at fault because it is a hard balance. Oh, um, honey, don't but, be hard on yourself for this. There's, there's no fault. This is like, it's been, it's been kind of like survival mode for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And like trying to still make time for what I need to get done in the day. Now I was building a whole new business and now in the summer, I want to, I want to get back to my writing while also still doing my business. And so 
you know, I don't want them to feel neglected. I don't want them to get addicted to devices. I don't want them to feel like I'm neglecting them. I just want to know what the balance can be. Like, I just want some way to navigate all that, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I'm using the book Holes, which is my daughter's book. They just finished reading this book in class together. And I oh, I've seen this. this movie. It's such a good story. It's fantastic. Story. Uh, it's by Lewis. I don't know if it's pronounced Sakar or Sachar. I think it's Sakar. So let's see what comes up. He did it on purpose, said Zero. You think? He took off his shoe and sock first. Stanley, sh Stanley shivered as he tried to imagine it. What's Maria Luohu? asked Zero. <laughs> what? Zero concentrated hard. Maria Luohu? I have no idea. I'll show you, said Zero. He crawled back out from under the boat. Stanley followed. Back outside, he had to shield his eyes from the brightness. Zero walked around to the back of the boat and pointed to the upside-down letters. Stanley smiled. Mary Lou, it's the name of the boat. Mary Lou, Zero repeated, studying the letters. I thought you made the ya sound. Oh, I thought Y made the ya sound. It does, said Stanley, but not when it's at the end of a word. Sometimes Y is a vowel and sometimes it's a consonant. Suddenly, I mean, Zero suddenly groaned. He grabbed his stomach and bent forward. Are you all right? Zero dropped to the ground. He lay on his side with his knees pulled into his chest. He continued to groan. Stanley watched hopelessly. He wondered if it was the sploosh. He looked back toward Camp Green Lake. At least he thought it was the direction of Camp Green Lake. He wasn't entirely sure. Zero stopped moaning and his body slowly unbent. I'm taking you back, says Stanley. Zero managed to sit up. He took several deep breaths. Look, I got a plan so you won't get in trouble, Stanley assured him. Remember, when I found the gold tube, remember I gave it to X-ray and the warden went crazy, making us dig where she thought the X-ray, where she thought X-ray found it. I think if I tell the warden where I really found it, I think she'll let us off. I'm not going back, said Zero. I don't know. Clueless. This is the kids, these two kids, the two main characters, they've just run away from this camp they're at because they got in trouble and the punishments are pretty bad. I don't remember what they are. So they're on the run out in the middle of this desert and now Zero is starting to feel sick because he's probably dehydrated or something. Um, and he can't read. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have anything? <laughs> yeah. You can't go back. Okay. Yeah, I can't go back. So, I mean, just let it unfold 
the summer unfolds with them and their tablets, how they're going to use them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I need to let go of my own judgments about tablets and stuff. Mm -hmm. I see it as a negative thing if you're on it all the time. Um, more for, I mean, adults are adults, they're going to do what they want to do. And yeah, obviously I have some of these negative views because of an adult in my life who always chose TV and games over like interacting with humans. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, they still interact. They still come to me. They most of half the time they're all day. It's with their friends on the tablets. And it's because they can't see them right now, you know, so it's the best interaction they can get. So I just need to maybe like stop judging it and stop making myself feel like a bad mom because my kids are on tablets all the time. Mm -hmm. I know it's a roundabout way to get to it, but you can't go back to the camp. The punishments at the camp are really bad. You don't need to punish for what's going on you can't go back to the way it was before this is the way mm -hmm. it is now you move ahead mm -hmm. and uh, i mean you think about it a lot of the day you're on your device doing your work i know and so they're on their device doing whatever they want to do and then you come together and you take the boat upside down out onto the dry lake bed and walk around for a while and you know go on yeah. an adventure I try that's the thing is they're not even interested in doing that kind of stuff now yeah I think it's I think it's a lot to do with maturity though that they mature so much faster that they're already at the age where they're already ready to start letting me go a little bit yeah. even though they're only five and ten or six and ten well this time this period time period has been a period of forced growing up and responsibility like organizing meetings and getting together online and organizing yeah. time and which by the way they hate they hate it they want nothing know, to do with zoom i hate a, zoom <laughs> there's a there's a responsibility that's been thrust upon little ones mm -hmm. yeah and that is a big part of it. They're just both very, I mean, wonder where they get it from. <laughs> They're both very independent. They yes. just want to do what they want to do. Yeah. Yep. I can't argue with that because I'm like, I get it. Yep. I want to do the same thing. Yep. Doesn't mean I don't love you. And if no. you need me, I'm right here. Yeah. And I tell them that. Yep. Okay. I got it. Okay. do a prediction for the next chapter because yes we're gonna I have put, a i am passing i get a pass i got a homework pass it's summer but <laughs> you do get all the gold stars for your prediction from last week which was they will have a face-off with mara maybe garyan will awake enough to take action and help paul and will fight him off i ah. read this when you like i read it <laughs> and i'm like she's reading ahead she knows what's no. going on no 
I so, just know fantasy. Yeah. I know how the fantasy worlds operate. So well done. Okay, so this has been a really long chapter. <laughs> We're at the end of the chapter. Yeah. It's <gasps> been a good recording too. We made up for <laughs> the last two weeks of not. Yeah, yeah. So hashtag. Do we have a hashtag? Spiritual exhaustion. <laughs> There you go. We're all cycling through it right now, so. I just forgot how to spell exhaustion. Okay, I'll check that later. <laughs> I think you got it. Yeah. All right, darlings. Thank you for being with us to the end of the episode. Thank you for being with us all season. Um, yeah. We really appreciate you. And thank you so much to our patrons. Well, it, it's um, wonderful to be appreciated by everyone who listens to us, but the fact that there are people out there listening to us who will support us, um, you know, buy us a virtual cup of coffee once a month um, to support the show, gives me, it sort of gives me the hope that one day I might actually be able to pay a sound engineer to like produce the show yeah and give right. you an even better um experience um like this is you know might one day actually be able to make an income from our art from mm -hmm. this particular part of our art or at least you know break even <laughs> that would be nice yeah and you know, it, sh it shows that it's worth doing and we really yeah, appreciate it. And I'm probably rambling now because I'm really tired, but we appreciate you and thank you mm -hmm. very much for showing up yeah. every week or at least the weeks that we show up for you and listening to us all the way to the end and then, you know, commenting and getting in touch with us. It's really lovely. Yeah, I agree really grateful for the listeners and doing this on a regular basis you know and I was just realizing this is such a, a short season because we we started the new season at the start of a new book you know but then our our break is also in the summer and so it's a break in the books and the next season will be a little longer because well, I'll still run it. See, so one season is one book. We just happen to have a long break. Ah, okay, okay. In the middle of the season. So season three, we're in season three. We're on book three. Yes, so that's how. That that's how. Sense. Yeah. So does that make yeah, sense? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just nice. going to get really messy, and my OCD will kick in, and I'll freak out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Season three break. Yes, this is season three break. Exactly right. Okay. So please, I am on it now. You're on it now? So please yes. use feel free to use the hashtag spiritual exhaustion. Tell us how you are in this world of heavy energy right now. We really want to know. So you'll find all the show notes and everything about the show on our website. 
belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. Go over there and sign up to the mailing list. You'll get mail. You'll get emails over the summer, you know, with some special stuff because we won't have a regular show coming out. So have some special treats coming out and you'll get it by email. And you can leave a voice message for us, which would be lovely. Feel free anytime. There's a link in the show notes. And uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Belgariad and Beyond. And you can also email belgariadandbeyond at gmail.com. You know, if you want to contact us there privately, please do. That's a, that's a, can be a private conversation between you and us. And if you want to have regular chats and interactions, you can become a patron and you get to go into uh, the private group and we have behind the scenes conversations there and you get bonus episodes of before the show where we talk about, you know, more intimate stuff. I know, hard to imagine, right, that we talk about more intimate stuff than what we talk about on the show. Maybe it's not more intimate, but, you know, it's a bit, I don't know, a bit more personal maybe, <laughs> a lot more personal yeah, stuff. It's more about just life in the world and not, not really the books at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so we would love you to join the fam over at yep. patreon.com forward slash Bill Garrett and beyond. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you there see you there have a great summer have a great winter if you're heading into winter if you're in the southern hemisphere (laughs) i am gonna rest flower knows it's time time for us to finish we're dragging it out because we don't want to go i just feel like (laughs) i'm gonna miss you all so much (laughs) i know but we still have the group, you know, and we still we can still talk. Yeah, <laughs> you and I can still talk. Yeah, but and we'll I'll see you in the, the I'll see you community. In the group. Of, yeah, we'll be in the group and all on right. our page. All right, darling. See you all at the end of summer. Summer, summer, summer. Yay. Hey.